I want to talk about celebrity news <sighs> and not <laughs> Johnny Depp versus Amber Heard, dot, 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 though, maybe. Okay. I need you to explain to me okay. all the things about Naomi Judd and the Judds, because Naomi Judd died. Oh, the mom? You tell me. I don't, I don't know any of these. I know. I, is it Ashley Judd? Okay, so uh, Naomi is, well, the original Judd, the first one, because she was the mom. Okay. Beautiful woman. I mean, really, like, I just, so beautiful and a great country singer. Okay. okay. So she, her, her fame is rooted in country music. 100%. Okay. Okay. Um, and really, like, you know, feminine. And I mean, just like one of the most beautiful faces ever. Like, she was incredibly attractive. She, she was a very attractive older woman. Yeah. I mean, really, really pretty. So then she had Winona, and I don't know who's the oldest, or Ashley. Ashley, maybe? Ashley feel Judd, like it's Ash- Winona. I don't know. Look it up. And Winona see. looks like she would kill me. Okay. Winona would kill you. You need to know that about yourself. But um, there's Winona and then there's Ashley. And if you look at those girls' faces, you do the resemblance of their mother is there for sure. You see Winona more in Naomi than you see Ashley. But it's clear. Like if they said, that's my daughter, you'd be like, yeah, of course, sure. Yeah. I mean, it's totally, she can't deny either, really either one of them. Yeah. So who's older, Kev? Uh, I'm still Googling. Okay, so Winona is obviously a singer. Everybody knows her. Um, Country for sure, but has a big voice. I mean, I don't know. Could probably do rock and roll if she wanted to and maybe hedges over there a little bit. But for sure, she's a country singer. Winona's older by three years. She's 57 and Ashley is 54. Okay, and so Winona and so... You know, Winona, I think, started out like singing with her mom, you know, I mean, which would be very typical of country music. Family band stuff. Family band kind of stuff. Then, of course, Winona went out on her own. Everybody knows that, Got you it. know. Um, it sounds to me like there were difficulties along the way. You know, I mean, I don't know anything. I don't know any details. I know that. Um, well, because that was one of the things is I can remember, like, I guess in the 90s, like there was some tumultuousness with them where right. like they were all older, right? Yeah. They, yeah, were, they all were adults. Their, they, they were, were adults. adults. She would have been in her forties. The girls would have been in their late twenties, early thirties. And I remember there being like a lot of familial drama. And I don't know if it was drugs related. I don't know if it was like abuse related, but like it was a thing, right? Yeah, yeah it was. And I, I mean, I don't think the mom did drugs, but I think like, this is my recollection. And again, let me say to somebody if they're here for the first time. We're not journalists. Everything could be wrong. Yeah. Okay. So big time wrong. I picture like giant farms in Tennessee that they each own, but you know, like farms close enough that mom could jump in a golf cart, do you mean down to daughter's farm, that sure. kind of thing? Yeah. Um, I think there was drama between um, mother and maybe husband's picks, you know maybe drama between the way grandchildren were being raised. I mean, just drama. Now, I can remember, this is for me, only because I didn't know what I didn't know. When Ashley Judd appeared on the scene as a young actress, I was like, do tell. I never knew about her. Yeah. And she did seem more like Naomi. I mean, in the way she carried herself and acted. Yeah. Winona's like, Winona's like big, not big hair like, Frizzy hair, but lots of hair, big, long hair, Texas hair, Texas hair. 
And, you know, she's kind of a big girl and she's got, I mean, a lot of power in her voice. She's the type of person who would go shoot skin and eat deer all in one day and then come back and record a couple tracks. Totally believable. I mean, not that that's ever happened, but totally believable. We would all, we would a thousand percent watch that show. Where we would not believe that Naomi Judd ever did that. And the mom. The mom. And Ashley Judd, no way, no how. Got it. So then Ashley Judd kind of came into her own as an actress. Everybody knew her. and But I always felt like, I mean, who knew what their real family relationship was? Because Ashley was looked to us from the outside looking in like odd man out because she wasn't in the same entertainment arena. Even though she was extremely successful as an actress. Extremely successful. A very good actress. So, um, you know, I know that at one point, these are just tidbits that I think I know. I think the mom came down with hepatitis C and almost died. Not great. I think, and then I think literally where they say you're not cured from that. I think she ended up being cured, like really didn't have it at all. Got it. I think the mom in later life is married to somebody that she's very happy with. Um, I don't know who the girl's fathers are or anything like that. I they we never kind of knew about them, you know. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, today, where is Winona? Is Winona singing? Is Winona entertaining? I don't know. I'm sure she's in that sweet spot of her career where she can play the songs that are covers of her and her mom. She can play her own hits. And then like every aging musician, she weaves in some of the new stuff that nobody cares about. But will you tell us what she died of? I mean, do we know? I don't know. It doesn't say what she died of. How old is she? 76. Oh, that's too young. But they, the reason all of this, you know, hype existed in the nineties is because that's in fact... When they broke up, they broke up in the nineties. And of course you can't help, but feel a little more tinge of drama when it's familial. It, when it is a mother and daughter breaking up. Right. So maybe that's where all the chaos came from. But I remember, and again, I couldn't tell you anything about what the drama was. I can just remember being young and being like, what are Judd's and why do any of us care? But it felt, felt like the topic of conversation for a very long mm-hmm. time. I think it was. I think they, I think Winona was very outspoken. I think that Naomi would have kept everything, as would a 70, I mean, somebody that was 76 now. Yeah. Somebody of that generation would have kept the dirty laundry in the house. As we've discussed on this podcast. Well, the Zeners know how to do that well, yeah. okay? Though, since the podcast, we've been airing it all, it seems like. I mean, most of those people are are done and gone, yeah. so we're we're safe to talk yeah. about it. Um, but we can certainly put on those faces of, "Hey, we're doing great. We're a great family." I have always wondered if I think about the Judds or I think about the Jacksons, I think about you know some of these famous families. Think about the Quades. I mean, that's one. You know, you go like, do you ever really get to have Christmas again after some of these public debacles? I mean, what do does you that think look they like? Even care about having Christmas together. Well, I'm not, I don't know. They're family. I think you reach this weird tipping point when you, when you have those hyper successful dynamics, whether it's musically acting, whatever, if you're able to do it together, that's awesome. Mm -hmm. But if your egos are not in check and you believe all of the back padding and you believe all of the praise and that there's nothing to anchor you, including the person who you're doing it with. It's inevitable. You're, you're both going to think you're the cat's pajamas, the bee's knees, and you're going to think you're better than that person. And you're going to probably say to yourself, well, it's because of me that we're here. 
right? right. And if you're not rooted in uh, in some type of strength and some type of um, like open discourse, I think it's inevitable that you'll eventually just fall apart. And if you're and and then it's just the blame game for the remainder of your life, right? Like right. I fully anticipate us breaking up. Oh, you and I because it's clear. <laughs> We have two huge egos. I mean, I've tried to break up with you so yeah. many times. And when Spotify never worked. offers us that nine-figure deal, mm-hmm. I'm going to be like, well, it's because, it's because I of me. talked a lot about fart and poop on this podcast. But I do believe that there are several podcasts where you've said, like, I'm the star. You? Yeah, you've oh, said it. I know. That's the problem. Yeah, I, I, mean, I know who signs our checks. Like Amber Heard. Yeah. I'm going to go back and play those in court, Kev, just so you know. Deb. You brought it up. We might as well talk about it. The majority of this week was not interesting with the Depp and Heard no. defamation lawsuits. But there were ancillary characters who were now being interviewed who provided the most unintentional comedy. I'm not even looking at the actual press releases when it comes to this stuff. Two guys were interviewed. One was the uh, the building doorman. Yeah. Okay. And what they were trying to essentially ask him was, did you ever see Amber Heard with visible bruising? And he said he didn't. And Mm -hmm. the the, her team would say, well, yeah, because she covered it up. Yeah, because she had that concealer, right? The best part is nothing he said. It's that he was providing his testimony live via FaceTime from his car. While vaping Mm. huge clouds through his nose and then I think like three quarters of the way through the testimony, just started to drive. He started to drive to work. He got bored with his own story. Yeah. So here's the thing. Like, let me just segue a little bit and then I'll pop back to yeah. that. Okay. And and for everybody who's like, Kevin, can we give Depp her to break? We will take next podcast <laughs> off unless something amazing happens. Yeah, we're going to take a break. Too much fruit on this tree. It's incredible. And it's low hanging. We've got to the lowest of the low hanging. So, you know, like if I'm upset with somebody, and I mean really upset, like I mean, I don't know if I'm Amber Heard upset, but you know, really, really upset. Uh Okay. And you know how you you have to work hard to stay mad at people. I mean, that requires a certain kind of energy. Like at least for me, eventually. I mean, I guess if I were really like that kind of mad at somebody, I'd just put them out of my life. Yeah, you got to stop caring about You've caring. You got to stop. Yeah. And so you put them out of your life. You don't run into them. But if if for some reason your paths should periodically cross, yeah. I mean, you can't avoid it. For me, there comes a day, and I never know when it might be. But because I can't carry the energy of being upset with somebody for forever, right? Right. And you go through the whole, like, you know, it's the other, like, I'm going to forgive them for me, not for them, you know, blah, blah, blah. But even still, there is a moment where something deep inside of me starts bubbling. Mm. And it is going to be the biggest laugh in the world. And I'm going to tell you what's com- going to come out of that laugh. All of the I don't care anymore at all. Like, I don't care. And I am telling you, if I were Amber Heard or I were Johnny Depp and I were watching that guy in the car vaping the giant plumes and then drive, I would have died laughing. Number one, died laughing. And I would have said, I'm dropping. I don't care. Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm done. You guys finish it up. Like, it's over for me. Well, you just explained Johnny Depp's reaction. Johnny Depp, head down body shaking, watching his former building doorman 
blowing <laughs> fat clouds of vape and then just nonsensically driving. Like, and, and aren't he we lost all wondering it. what was in the vape? I mean, honestly. And to further prove that I think Johnny's in the space that you're at, which right. would be, I don't care anymore, but I yeah. still kind of want $50 million. Yeah. The, and I don't want to pay 100 for sure. Her team was interviewing his former bodyguard, who's English. And they said, and they were saying, did you ever see physical violence? And he said, no, I only ever heard loud screaming from behind a door. Then her lawyer, Rottenborn, Rottenborn, born rotten, Ben Rottenborn, yeah, says, and then when you, so eventually when you walk through the door, did you see Mr. Depp urinating? Mm. To which that somehow got Johnny in the giggles and he yeah. could not stop laughing. Well, didn't they actually well, the, say the bodyguard was just like, "What? What are you even talking about?" I think he actually said, "Did you see his penis?" Oh, oh, well, yeah. So he went on to say, "Yeah, did you see him peeing?" He's like, "No, I didn't see him peeing." And he said, "Well, did you see his penis?" Yeah. To yeah. which the bodyguard was like, "No, what? No." Yeah. And and Johnny again, dying laughing. Like this has become a sideshow. Yeah. And I said this the very first time we talked about it. It's must see TV. You have to follow the recaps. <laughs> there is something every single day. And like like we said on Thursday, we still haven't even gotten to her yet. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, in the end, I mean, listen, has it has it probably moved all of us yeah. to a hysterical laughter of I don't care? Yeah. For sure. And I guess if it moves executives in Hollywood yeah. and investors in Hollywood to a whole I don't care, then Johnny has successfully done something for himself because now people don't care. Right? I agree with I you. I mean, seriously. If that hasn't happened, and that's a big if, if that hasn't happened, then I don't know how you take either one of them seriously ever again. Well, first it was the Beatles, then it was the Judds, then it was Depp and Heard, and will eventually be Deb and Kev. Who knows? <laughs> Let's start the podcast. Welcome to the Deb and Kev podcast. One is a Harvard Business School alum. The other is her son. Discussing business, pop culture, family, and everything in between. Now, here are your hosts, Deb and Kev. Hey, hi, hello, and welcome to the Deb and Kev podcast. Sitting over there, it's Chef Curry with the shot. Boy, it's my mom, Deb. I'm Deb. And that makes me one of the only NBA players I think she'll know. The Rain Man himself... Nothing. Sean Kemp. I'm her son, oh, Kev. have never gotten that, yep. And this is our podcast. I tried to pick a player from a city in an era that you might have known. Was he in Houston? No, he was in Seattle. Sean Kemp? Yeah. When I was in Seattle? The Seattle Supersonics? No, but when? When was he there? The 90s? Uh, I No, I wasn't. You were in and out of Seattle all the time in well, the 90s. I was in and out of Seattle, but I didn't live there. I was there in... Let's see. I don't know if I'm saying football players or basketball players. Go for it. Downtown Freddie Brown. No, that's a that's a football player. Is it a football player? I think so. I have a picture with you and him. Oh, yeah. That's a football player. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. On today's show. It sounds like a basketball player, didn't it? If there was a three-point player. Yeah. That for sure sounds yeah. like a basketball player. Yeah. Some people like burning bridges, both literally and figuratively. In her business segment, though, Deb is going to talk to us about leaving the door open for former employees to return. We will answer three brand new questions in Dearest Deborah. And just like your unwanted creepy Uncle Carl, we'll stop over this episode by telling you what's for dinner and what we're thankful for. But first, you said something earlier today that 
jogged my memory. You were walking down the stairs and you said, I hurt myself in my sleep. My back is all, yeah. all twinged, all yeah. tweaked. When, when, do, when do people start hurting themselves in their sleep? Because I do the same thing, yeah. back stuff, neck yeah. stuff, for sure. Right up here, yeah. right above my eyes. Yeah. Deb, it's like some little elf is coming in the middle of the night and taking very soft sandpaper and just rubbing it. Like it is dry. You can see Are you some putting sk- stuff on. I'm it at not night? touching anything. I put Vaseline on it in the morning. Yeah, you need because to put something it's on like it at night. Rubbed raw. I'm in my sheets. <laughs> you need to you need to put something on it at night. Why? Is your window open? Yes, but my windows are always open. Mm, the I, I, the I humidifier's it, on. The fan's going. I have soft creature, sheets. It's not a creature thing. I just think it's dry right now. It's never happened in my life. Mm, and you're to getting a- older. And to add on to this, the other day, you know me, I'm not one for manual labor, though sometimes <laughs> I will organize. I found these deep scratches in my finger that I thought had uh, splinters in them. Deb, no idea where I came from. Zero. No That's weird because earthly I have, idea. I just saw on my thumb today, it looks like I did manual labor, like a broom or a shovel or something. Which we like don't. I got some kind of blister or something. I will go on record saying that we do not have any wooden handle brooms and Deb has not shoveled in yeah, a years, long time. Years. I mean, I try not to do any of that. Sure. But yeah, I don't know. Maybe maybe there's little little gnome troll creatures that are coming in the night and going, what is this reality? Is this a thing that I just deal with for the rest of my life? Mm-hmm. It is. I'm telling you, you can go to bed feeling great and wake up in the morning and think I should be rested. I should be popping out of bed feeling like a million bucks. And it is not so. Here's one of the things when you get older that changes. It's not that I don't look forward to bed. Of course I look forward to bed. I don't look forward to what I'll be in the morning after having been in bed. Yeah, I it's, look. It's a it's a crapshoot. It's an absolute crapshoot. I look forward to bed, like <laughs> I look forward to bed as if I was going to Paris tomorrow. Oh, you're you're jacked up. I'm jacked up. You look yeah. forward to going to bed like yeah. you're going to Paris tomorrow. Yeah. And then when you wake up, I, it was like I was just on a long flight and didn't get there. It was you, terrible. You woke yeah. up in Russia. Ex- you're like what? Yeah, exactly. What, what happened to this excitement? Where's Where's the Eiffel Tower? You know that thing where you pretend, and I've had the fortune a couple of times of flying to Europe business class or first class. Which listen, do grateful, it. grateful, grateful, do it. It's amazing. You try to tell yourself ahead of time. And I know there's some people that can do this, like, I'm just going to, I'm going to ignore the food. I'm going to ignore the drink. I'm going to ignore the movies. I'm just going to snuggle down in that bed, go to sleep, wake up tomorrow, no jet lag. It's all going to be great. For me, that never happens, no matter how great the comforts are. It just never, ever happens. So when I wake up, I feel like crap. Do you know what I mean? It's just that simple. And that's mostly how it is the older I get, too. There was a, a buddy of mine sent us a, a link about this new place in town called Stretch Zone. Mm. And it's apparently where they stretch you themselves. Like you're not oh, doing it. I they, just need to lay there and they're going to. They work on you for 30 minutes. Yeah. Stretching you out. Wow. Care to guess how much a 30 minute stretch zone package is? One, if, if there's a drop in rate, there's a package rate. Okay, so what do you think the drop in rate is? So one person is going to either manually or with machines 
stretch me. Yeah. And is this like a trained or certified person? I would certainly hope so. I hope it's not a hobo in the back alley. I mean, like, is it a physical therapist? It's not a doctor. Well, well, I would imagine it's two things because they're not, uh, nobody says like it's chiropractic meets anything. Like there's nothing else, else with an advanced degree associated with this. So it says they're zone professional. So I yeah. imagine there's some undertaking, whether they have to be a licensed masseuse or something, I don't know, but it looks all above board, but the depth of their knowledge, I have no idea. Yeah. So I'm going to say this, if it is over a hundred bucks, which I think is too much, if it's over $100, then my rates are going up tomorrow. Sure. The drop in rate. Yeah. Well, I'll say this, the package rate, $55. Oh, okay. For 30 minutes. Okay. Okay. The drop in rate, $75. Yeah, that's a lot. That's that's 150 bucks an hour. An insane yeah. amount of well, money. And that's why I want to know their education because if you told me, like you know, our friend Alyssa is a physical therapist. I if if, if Alyssa took me to this place and these contraptions and said I'm gonna do this, and I could explain to Alyssa like where I feel tight and all of that, then I think it's worth every dime for her because she has the education to really understand my body, right? But if this is just a person that was taught to do it, I I have a big, I have problems with that. Well, my, and my long-term question is this, like, and then when do I get tight again? And then, and then how many sessions until I'm fully healed, right? Because if I buy 10 sessions for 550 bucks, I better feel like a literal brand new human being when it's all said and done. Well, I better feel really great the day I walk out of there the first time. Because I have to brace to sneeze right now. Yeah. And if I'm still bracing (laughs) to sneeze, that was a waste of $500. No, I agree with you. I agree wholeheartedly. Okay. I'm just letting you know, sometimes we hurt ourselves and I don't like it because I don't actually know how or when we hurt ourselves. And the answer is cannot be to pay $55 for 30 minutes. Honey, your body conspires against you at night. I'm I just hate telling that. you, it's a thing. Gravity does not like yeah. six foot seven but guys. You know, I, don't like, I, I don't like that in my brain. So let's, let's just say for you, Kev, maybe it's too late for me, I'm not sure. But for you, you're going to have a different life experience. Let's hope so. It's just a little dry air right now. It's bothering you a little bit. And <laughs> by the way, Dev is in the throes of staring at a bug in the office. Yeah. She is a five-year-old. She, she has no idea what she's talking about yeah, right now. I don't. Her <laughs> eyes are following this bug, tracking it. I see where it is. Ruthlessly. I see where it's going. Should yeah. we just kill this bug live yeah, on the podcast? All right. You got to narrate. Okay. okay. So Kevin is, so the bug has gone all the way. It's like on the crown molding. Uh, it's gone all the way across Kevin. Oops, there he goes. He's got his shoe off. There it is. One. Ooh, he, Kevin, that wasn't even close. Oh, my gosh. Get it. Ah, there you go. Did you kill it? You've got, to, you've got to straighten out Nola now. There you go. We have dog pictures here, which if you go to our Instagram, you will have seen before. Thanks, Kev. All you his days work just being, you know, a real alpha man who gets splinters. <laughs> just wait. You in know his fingers. You know what's going to happen now? More are going to come. Your shoulder's going to hurt after doing that. Yeah. Dad did say, by the way. I have way, calluses on my fingers from having grabbed my rubber sandals now. So dad said today, I got another man job for Kev. And I thought, oh no, if it starts going that way, meaning dad is finding man jobs for you. Never. We're in it's a, that's a one way road. <laughs> that, that, there is no roundabout. There is no two lanes. That is a one way yeah, road. So good luck with that. Um. Wow. 
I mean, did I just do the most manly thing on this podcast that I've ever you done? You went and killed a bug and you saved us, Sure Kevin. did. Yeah. Speaking of bugs, just kidding. Uh, one of the things that I talked about in my thankfuls, I would say about a month ago, was I went down to Arizona to um, meet with a Major League Baseball player about a partnership deal that I was helping kind of finalize. And that finalization has come to fruition today. Uh, I am wearing the shirt. Quite handsome. Play to aid for Hearing the Call. So what it is, is I work with a nonprofit called Hearing the Call. And what they do both globally and domestically is provide hearing care services to people who with uh, a poor socioeconomic background who would otherwise not be able to provide them for themselves. The Major League Baseball pitcher, Spencer Patton, has three kids. His eldest son was diagnosed with pretty much being deaf in his mm-hmm. right ear mm-hmm. and he was only eight years old. Mm. His middle child uh, has gone through a battery of hearing tests and they're pretty sure that he also has significant hearing loss. So hearing loss hit his family pretty hard. Yeah. One of our partners is a 15 year old kid named Braden Baker and Braden had significant hearing loss and he started wearing hearing aids and Disney plus featured him in one of their Marvel comic series where they took kids who were achieving overachieving with some form of ailment and they adapted these shows to make them superheroes. So I, I will say this, Braden Baker is a superhero. For sure. I love that kid. He's amazing. He's like talking to a 30 year old. Braden Baker is the, well, first of all, he's a good looking kid. He's mm-hmm. as cute as can be. Excuse me if he hears this, me calling him cute, but he's adorable, but he is also a good looking kid. Yeah. He is articulate like an adult. Yep. He makes me feel like, I don't know what I'm talking about. And then I just want to say this shout out to the mother, Ashley. What a great job she has done. Uh, what a woman. Totally agree. So Spencer and his family found this uh, show on Disney plus His son was consumed with it because there was somebody who looked like him that was suffering from the same thing that he was suffering from. They did some background research on Braden. They found out that Braden was an ambassador for hearing the call. All of these stars aligned. And when I went down to Arizona, that's who I was meeting with to finalize the deal. And this is what the deal was. And it comes in the form of this partnership called Play to Aid Hearing the Call. And this is what Spencer has put up for himself. He is a relief pitcher for the Texas Rangers, and he has he will donate a thousand dollars for every strikeout he throws this season in 2022. Love that. And for every win the Texas Rangers have, he will donate another hundred dollars. Right now, we are at fifty six hundred dollars. He has five strikeouts. The Rangers have won six games. It's one of the most cool things that I have been a part of to see this total nothing come to fruition to the point where now we have t-shirts, we have our partnership deals. We're doing give back events in Dallas and in Houston. We're going to be attending one of the Texas Rangers games, which will have like a hearing the call night. The CEO who I work with will be down on the field with Brewer, Spencer's son as Brewer throws out the first pitch. I mean, like, all of this cool stuff that, I don't know, four months ago was nothing yeah, is now real. And it has been one of the more humbling things to be a part of. I'm telling you, when good people find other good people, yep. like mountains can be moved. I mean, I really, really believe that. And I believe that certainly hearing the call has been doing good work 
for many, many, many years. Yep. And for hearing the call to be able to come together with Spencer and Braden. And I mean, it is, it's a perfect alignment. It is really one of those moments where the stars have aligned for this. And I know that you guys are going and you're having a day where you're treating people who are less than fortunate and need hearing aids. Yep. And Spencer's going to be part of that. So there's just goodness going on everywhere there. We will we will be in Dallas uh, on June 3rd. We will be providing 25 people with hearing aids who otherwise would not be able mm, to afford them. Um, if you are interested in pledging yourself to this very, very cool um, partnership, you can go to pledge it, P-L-E-D-G-E-I-T dot org. And that will take you to the uh, All Win Texas site. And then you just have to look for Spencer's name and you click that link and you can pledge dollars. You can pledge one time. You can continually pledge for every strikeout he makes. You can do a dollar, five dollars, ten dollars, whatever's comfortable for you. But understand that all of this donate all of these donations go back to hearing the call. It helps funds, helps fund trips internationally, domestically. And you can buy shirts if you want to buy shirts. I bought this shirt. Your shirt looks great. Thank you. Half of all of those proceeds go to Hearing the Call. It's just a very, very, very cool partnership deal. You can follow Hearing the Call on Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn. You can follow Spencer Patton on Facebook and Instagram, although he doesn't really post much because he's cool. Kind of busy. Yeah, he's cool. He's a baseball player. There's a ton of different avenues and we'll link all of this stuff in our social for this week, just in case you're curious about all of it. But it's, it was, I can't believe that it finally came to fruition. I can't believe that we're here where we actually have gear, where, you know, we're staring down the barrel of this thing happening in in a month's time. It's, it's so great. It's so unbelievably great. And I just wanted to carve out some time to chat about it. Well, you know, one of the things, the CEO of um, Hearing the Call, one of the things that she always says is like attracts like. And I think this is a perfect example of that where, I mean, really just truly goodness found goodness, right? I mean, he made every effort. He never dropped the ball once he found out about hearing the call. He was committed. Yeah, there there is certainly, you kind of wait to see how involved or interested the individual wants to be, right? Because it's, he's a professional baseball player. He's got a lot else going on in his life. Plus he's a husband, plus he's a father. He... Jump started, kick started, and continually ran with this thing well past the finish line. And he is the main reason that we are here today because we were just drinking through a fire hose trying to figure all this stuff out. And he got us with all the necessary people within the Ragers, all the partnership deals that we have. It's it's truly amazing to have seen this thing work itself out to where it is today. And I just wanted to shine a little spotlight on it. I think that's good, Kev. I love that. And if anybody wants to donate... It is greatly appreciated and greatly needed. Yep. Absolutely. Speaking of partnerships, oftentimes there are professional partnerships that for whatever reason go sour. Yeah. Well, they don't always go sour. Sometimes they just part. Other times people just need a break. And other times life happens and you need to find something new. But that doesn't mean that that door shouldn't remain open. That doesn't mean that that bridge should be burned. Deb, talk to us about leaving that door askew for somebody to be able to walk back through it. So you and I were talking this week, and we were talking a little bit about exit interviews, Mm -hmm. some exit interviews that you had done recently for some um, companies. And then a couple things happened this week where 
people called me and people that had worked for them before were interested in being reemployed. And so um, I'm going to basically say, I think there's, we could probably do more, but for this conversation, three categories of unemployed people. I mean, people that used to work for you that are now. One, two, three. Yes. So number one is burn the temple down. Don't ever want to see them again. Don't ever want to hear their name. Whatever happened was bad, and you're close to getting a restraining order. That's 22-year-old Kev's mantra right there. (laughs) Okay, there you go. So the person that really, and I mean, God bless them, but really no matter how they change in their life, you're not going to invite them back. It's a done deal. Do you mean the season is over? That's that. Okay, so that's an easy one, right? I mean, we know the answer to that. You just walk away saying there's nothing left to grow or build on here. Exactly. Then the other one is like, not such a bad employee, but maybe not such a great employee, maybe an average employee. And so the average employee is kind of tough because are you always going to fire them? Not necessarily. When they leave, might you be a little relieved? Possibly. Um, Do you hate them? No. If you run into them again, are you good? Yes. I mean, to say hi. If they were to, um, do you wish them any ill will? Absolutely not. Right. But when they go, there might be a little sigh of relief and it might be okay for them to go. Yeah, and because okay? it, it could it could have just been a bad fit at the time. Exactly. They maybe needed a little more professional experience and you weren't willing to have that on your dime anymore. I, and I'm going to say in that situation, and I, I do want to speak to that, the fit, because the owner, the boss, the leader, the CEO could have been as the culture, could have been a bad, a bad fit for them. Yeah, meaning for sure. they were not the problem at all, but it wasn't a good fit. So you part, but honest to goodness, if you run into each other on the street, you're happy to see each other and it's all okay. That person, I would say, and this is short and sweet, if that person is to darken your door again, the really the only questions you have are, I mean, in your own mind, and that you need to then find out is like, are they the same? Right. Have they matured? Have they seasoned? Whatever the thing was that kind of bothered you, that again, wasn't enough to fire, has that thing changed? And if you do agree to entertain the idea again, you have to absolutely address that. I mean, but that's just pretty simple. Listen, some of it is immaturity. Like I think 22-year-old Kev is entirely different than 37-year-old Kev. And I hope so. And I think your perspective is different as well. I still think there's some companies you wouldn't go back to work for no matter what. Most. Um, But I also think that there would be people that would look at you that go, I would take that guy now. Do you know what I mean? Like happily, right? Sure. So I think like that person, if they do come back knocking on your door, it's worth the conversation, but a very honest conversation. And don't take, don't, don't drop the bar. Remember, always hold the bar where it should be in your standards. So then the other one is like, I really like this person. They really fit into our culture and they do a good job and they're moving on. Maybe they're moving on because they're literally moving. Maybe they're moving on because the opportunity they want um, doesn't even exist at your corporation. Maybe they're moving on because like the dream thing landed. They were working for you, but it well, it was a good job. It wasn't their dream, yep. right? There's a myriad of reasons that they're moving on. And I think one of the things that we do is that we get weird about the breaking up. And I'm telling you, the employee can get as weird as the employer. So let me kind of go through this. I think a lot of times, if it's a young person, they really see like it's like breaking up. They don't know how to do it. And they think like they know they're valuable. 
and oh, it's going to be so much pressure on so-and-so and it's going to create so much work and I know they love me and they've been so good to me and my manager gives me like, you know, good recommendations all the time and uh, how am I going to do this? Now, I've had people that were otherwise great employees that have kind of started to misbehave on the way out the door. Don't do that. Listen, if you've been great and you've got to go, you just say, I've got to go and explain it. Explain the reason. Owners, you, I know that some people, some of your employees, it literally breaks your heart when they're leaving. Don't misbehave. Don't be a curmudgeon. Don't pick at them. Don't be less than your best self. Because these are the exact people that we want to send out the door with good recommendations and grace and love. And I mean, I have said to people that have left me that I like, I will help you get your next apartment. I mean, put me down for anything. You know, I will get you your next job if they call me. Well, and that's rooted like somebody wanting to make an otherwise really good relationship difficult on their way out the door is rooted in their own insecurities. They're trying to put a mirror up to themselves. They're asking themselves the question and then they're trying to answer their own question. It has nothing to do with you. I mean, if it does, if you really think it has something to do with you, then you owe it to yourself to ask that question. Is there something I did or is there something I can do to make your experience better here? But if they're literally moving, if they've worked in the industry for too Mm -hmm. long and they need something else, if they know that there's no more room for growth, then the best thing you can do is look at them and say, this door isn't even open. I've removed all the screws and hinges. The second you want to walk back through this thing, know there is a job waiting for you in any capacity. I agree. It's here for you. And that will help you feel better about that person leaving because maybe in the back of your mind, you convince yourself, I think I can get them back. Well, and here's the thing. I mean, first of all, let me say this. We're not talking today about trying to talk somebody into staying. Well, that's not what we're talking about. But prior to where I am right now, I sure would have tried to talk them into staying if I were unsuccessful at that and they're actually going to leave then I'm going to, listen, I'm just going to be the greatest yeah. on the way out the door. I mean, I want them to have a little heartbreak too. Like, oh, do I really want to Do leave? I really want to go? Yeah. This place is so good to me. But I think like literally I see myself hugging them. And the last thing I'm saying to them is, I sure hope our paths cross again and you will always be welcome here. Because there is nothing better than being able to have that touch point again. Here's, if nothing else, if this is somebody in your industry or somebody that knows the kind of work you do, you get to reach out to them and say, do you know anybody? Hey, do you have anybody like with what you're doing? Is there anybody you can think of? They know your business. They've worked for you before. Those bridges should not be burned. I mean, I am friends. I mean, friends now because I'm not their bosses, but with lots of different people. And I would say, I mean, on, on with a lot of them, I would call and say, hey, do you know anybody that blah, 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 blah. I mean, those conversations would go on. And I would tell you, there are tons of people that I would give my right arm to work with again, Haley, Jill. I mean, there's tons of them, right? That I would love to, if I, I mean, you know, our paths probably won't cross that way because industries are different now. But seriously, I mean, I would 
find something in a heartbeat. Well, and the other thing that you can make yourself feel better about is keep tabs on that person. Right. Check in with them, text them, call them, make it not that it's top of mind, not that it feels like you're badgering them, but let them know that A, you still exist and it exists in the form of kindness. And if, if for whatever reason they're in harsh times, they're looking for something new, the wherever they went isn't the right fit, well, you've done your job. You've remained top of mind. You've created and nurtured this opportunity for them to be able to come back, even if you're not a close friend, even if it's they don't think of you when they want to go get a drink. But if they think of you when they think of something new, you've done your job. Oh, I agree. I mean, I agree. So we have a friend. Um, this is a good example. of We have a friend, Chappie. I worked with Chappie 15 years ago. And then you know, really didn't speak with them for most of those 15 years, then worked together for a couple of years and aren't working together now. But he just called the other day checking in. And here's the thing that happens with that is what happens is it's this nice flow. It's like a little roller coaster, like, oh, we're doing a project together or, oh, we're talking about work or, oh, now we're talking about, you know, family and friends and personal. We just, it just keeps going. It doesn't matter how much time goes by. Somebody can pick up the phone and call. I mean, somebody like Jill, we've talked about Jill a lot. I mean, Jill is one of my sweetest, best friends. And I mean, I, I mean, I adore Jill. If I never work with Jill again, we are going to have a solid relationship. The same with Haley, who I feel honestly, if Haley's listening to this, I kind of raised her and I was her boss as well. But I mean, those are people that really did a good job for me. I mean, Chappie never worked for me, but we did a good job together when we worked together. And you don't want those to go away. There are countless other people as well where you would welcome them into your life again. Yeah. I mean, we're seeing it. A lot of good people are leaving for a thousand different reasons. And it's hard finding replacements. It's hard finding people who are half as good as these people, right? right? So don't take for granted the idea that once they've scratched that itch, once they've tried this new thing, whether it's self-employment or working in a different industry, don't think it's over for good. There is still opportunities for them to circle back to what they know, what they're comfortable with. And if you treated them well, both in the beginning, the middle, and the end as they left, that will always be top of mind for them. And they will always want to go back to the people who did right by them. And if that was you, prepare to hear a knock. And here's the thing. Never say never. I mean, never say never. Yeah. Like, like this is just like an oddball little thing. But our sweet Haley, who is brilliant and didn't know what she wanted to be and just stayed working at the restaurant, like overstayed. I mean, she should have been at... She should have been at Brown going to college, yeah, right? She I was mean, Chris Farley and Tommy Boy. A lot of people go to college for seven years. Yeah, they're <laughs> yeah. called doctors. But yeah, exactly. You know, she is so smart. She's brilliant. And she finally decided to go to college and, you know, she became a nurse. Haley now is a nurse for a urologist in Montana. Haley is my go-to person. I mean, Haley is giving me advice about dad. Haley knows everything about dad's cancer, about every procedure he's had, I still think of Haley babysitting you and almost burning the house down. That's true. And yet the tide has turned, right? Now, I mean, Haley is such an asset and love in my life. Are we going to work again? I don't know. She's a nurse. Probably not. But never say never. We will let Haley back into the house always. Always. 
she will never touch the microwave again. Haley is not allowed near microwaves. No. I mean, I know you people out there, you're thinking, well, no, it's the stove. With Haley, it's the microwave. She can catch it on fire. Yeah, especially with a nice little bag of popcorn if you put it in there for 99 minutes. 99 minutes, and it will catch on fire for sure. Here's a little life hack. If you decide that you want to pop every single kernel in the popcorn bag, don't set it on 99 minutes. But if you do set it for 99 minutes yeah. and the bag itself catches fire yep. and turns into a ball of molten lava, yep. what you do is you put on oven mitts, yep. you grab a spatula, yep. you pierce the popcorn bag, the molten lava, dead sprint out the front of the house, and in one smooth motion, chuck it as far and as high as you possibly can so it looks like a meteor soaring through the sky into the neighbor's yep. backyard to never be seen again. That's a little life hack for you. There you go. And when you do that, mm-hmm. here's the thing. And you run around the house and open all the windows so the yep. adults won't think that the house yep. was burning a few minutes ago. Make sure that in like 30 degree weather, you close those windows before the adults come home. And put the oven mitts away. And put the oven mitts and all the towels that you use to yep. flap you know, smoke out of the house. You might also clean out the microwave because... I mean, that was the scene of the crime. As a little life hack for you, courtesy of Deb and Kev. <laughs> so anyways. No first-hand experience. We're just letting you know yeah. in that hypothetical situation, those are the things you do and those are the things yeah. you don't do. So Haley's currently a mother that has to operate without a microwave. I can't wait to babysit her daughter and teach her all of these things. Oh, oh my gosh. And she is a Dickens too. So what we're saying, let's wrap this up. Be generous. Be kind. Keep the door open. If you like them through your broken heart and tears, tell them they're always welcome back. Tell them how much you appreciated them. You know, somebody said to me the other day, I mean, like, ugh, do I have to be grateful just because people come to work on time? And I said, well, at this point in time of life, if yes. you had three people that always came to work five minutes late, but you had one that came 15 minutes early, turned on the lights, turned on the computers and got the coffee making made, how grateful would you be? For that person just coming to work on time, True. right? So yes, the answer to, the, to good employees is let's be grateful and let's acknowledge the extraordinary as well as the ordinary. Let's keep this good advice train chugging along Okay, with the segment we call Dear Debbie. Mm. Two professional questions, one somewhat fun question mm. where we always take the side of the buffoon of the rabble rouser. <laughs> question number one, Dear Debbie. The situation I am trying to work through involves a business slash personal relationship with a salesperson who apparently has some serious health issues. Mm. While I know this person and am sympathetic, I have to work for a living and have precious little time to devote to accomplish my own personal business. Every time I attempt to discuss business and request an appointment to view the product, I have to listen to a rambling monologue of how bad the professional is feeling at the moment, and all the health issues involved, including what the doctor said. Oh! At one point, I truly cared, but now I feel that my Mm. time is being monopolized with issues out of my control. While I really don't want to sever the relationship, I must get some things accomplished. A few days ago, I was told that I am very selfish and inconsiderate because I refused to wait more than 15 minutes. The salesperson was still in bed. I live approximately 100 miles away, and I had a number of things to do that day. I have suggested doing business with someone else, and my quote-unquote friend gets so upset when I mention that and tells me how badly 
She needs the money. Mm. What do I do? Okay. There's, Never go into business with your friends. Well, they're not in business together. Never do any business with your friends. So I'm assuming that there is a professional service being provided by a friend yeah. and the friend has some ailment, correct? Is that yep. right? Okay. Clearly. Okay. That's the story. It's worth seeing a doctor about. Here's the thing. I think when somebody has a physical, I'm going to say whether it's disability or ailment, whatever it is, like if we were asking dad to work right now, it would be so unpredictable. He would be a terrible employee or business owner because it's so unpredictable, right? right? I mean, like he was, did you see how busy he was today? He was running around here like a crazy person. Finally started feeling better. Started feeling better, right. So today would have been the day, Not it's the weekend, not a good day, right. but today would have been the day that dad would have felt like a million bucks and could have got things done. Monday through Friday this week, not so much, no. right? So I do think you have to be really conscious, and I think you have to communicate to your customers, not necessarily the issue of your ailment, but if your day started out an eight-hour day, a 40-hour week, and it can now only be, I'm going to say, a six-hour day or a five-hour day, I don't care what it is, but it's less than, then you owe it to tell your customers, these are the new hours, yep. right? And this is when I'll be available. And it's a little less you know, than it was, but that you can fully be on during that time. Because we're still, I assume, paying for service, Right. And that is where I would say, on the individual's end who wrote the email, what's more important to you? Is the right. friendship more important to you? Or is the service that's being provided more important to you? Because that is going to govern what you decide to do. If the service itself is a fraction of the cost from somewhere else and the end product is good, then you have to suck this up. You have to suck it up. You right. have to suck it up and understand this is going to be the nature of your transactions moving forward. It's going to take a little bit longer. It's going to be a little more bothersome. But you're saying that there isn't a competitor in town anywhere? But if if you've done your homework and this is the best yeah, thing at yeah. the best price, then, then this is what comes with it. Conversely, if you just want to be there for your friend, yeah. then you have to bite the bullet and go somewhere else. And then you ha you owe them that conversation. I want to be what you want me to be. And that is a pillar of support for you. I want to lend a helping ear. I want to give you all of the time that I can possibly give you. But in order for me to do that, I have to remove the professionalism. I know that hurts you a little bit, but this is a long-term benefit for our relationship. You have to determine which road you want to take. But let me say this, and this was the part at the end that bothers me. So this is the other part I'm going to take issue with. When a person offering a professional service, let's go through professional services, I'm a professional service, yeah. CPAs, lawyers, I mean, all therapists, do you know what I mean? It's a professional service, right? Um, I mean, the people that, uh, your workout person, do you know what I mean? The person that's stretching you down. Personal instructor, new, a stretch yeah, zoner. The stretch zoner, exactly. All those are professional services. When that person has crossed the boundary of saying, I need the money, that is such a tough thing. I had a client years ago say to me, hey, I want to break up with my personal trainer and I just don't know how. And I said, I mean, just break up with him. Give yeah. him a month's notice and break up. And she said, well, she tells me all the time how desperate she is for the money. Oh. I said, well, she should have never told you that. Yeah, she probably and, had that good of a personal trainer then. And then I said to her, 
did it make her less attractive as a personal trainer when she told you that? And she looked at me, she goes, it did. I said, because desperation is unattractive, right? So she shouldn't be sharing that. So it was funny. I mean, I told her what I would say. And then I looked at this client who'd been a client for a couple of years. And I looked at her and I said, listen, if you ever have that feeling with me, you need to say, hey, end of the month, we're done. And I will be good. You need to know, I don't even care. We'll be fine. Like, just say it. Don't ponder it. Don't wonder about it. Just say it. And she looked at me and she goes, nope, you're super attractive because you have no desperateness on you. And, And that was such a good lesson for me, right? Like, no desperateness is much more attractive. Yeah, the, desperate. The tough part is the friendship lens that's it over is. this. That's, it is. If it was singularly professional and it was a trade of goods for for money, yeah. so be it. It's it's whether you were friends before or you let yourself become friends in the middle of it. That's where it gets complicated, and you have to uncomplicate it. Well, that, and that's he, up to you because that person's not going to do it. And here's really the truth. I mean, and this is as sad as can be, but there are crippling diseases, crippling situations out there where you've been able to do it and something comes on quickly and now you can't. And that is absolutely heartbreaking. And at that point, I think we have to be able to say, go get the service somewhere else, but the people that are your friends will stay and help you. And that is what you need at that point, almost more than anything. Dear Debbie, I took an assignment with my company that posted me to Hong Kong for two years. Wow. Cool. My adult children ages 21, 26, and 29 were supportive. Although my youngest was not especially happy about it. We video chat with our kids trying to stay involved as much as possible. We have also visited multiple times. It's not always ideal, but we try. We have also offered to pay for them to visit us as often as they would like. My company has asked me to stay one more year because I haven't completely finished what I was sent here to do. I'm inclined to do it. My youngest child, however, is so angry at me for even considering it that she won't talk to me. She refuses to come and visit and is punishing me for needing to stay an additional year. Am I choosing my job over my children? Yes, your children are grown. So one, first of all, I want to say this. If everybody is basically healthy and happy, then the choice belongs to you and you alone. Yeah. These children are grown. Right. It is your choice. Yeah. I mean, well, you and your husbands, right? Deb, I turned, I was 21. I graduated college and you moved to Houston. Exactly. See, I mean, like literally moved to Houston. Yeah. So I, and I don't believe I asked you. Uh, no, it was, do you want to come down to Houston and look at houses? And I said, sure. Yeah. I mean that you were invited to yeah. come along. Um, you were also, and I will say this, extended an invitation uh-huh. to come as often as you like. I visited right? once and I said, no, I'm good. You stayed for a lot. You, you overstayed. You got sick on Houston on that trip. It was Houston. Yeah. We, we needed a better guide for yeah. Houston yeah. and it just wasn't my thing. Yeah. I have since circled back to Houston a handful of times and there are far cooler areas that yeah. we weren't, that I was not exposed to, but even then I wasn't going to move from, from yeah. Reno to yeah. Houston. No, I mean, Houston is, Houston's a whole different thing True. You know, for sure. But like, yeah, no, I don't believe ask. I mean, I talked to daddy about it. I didn't talk to you about it. Right. right? And so I understand considering your children, right? And especially if one of them has some kind of need. But I mean, oh my gosh, this is the time of life she gets to do it. Yeah. Your children are grown. There is a whole beautiful world. I think I want to say, especially for women, 
that they get to explore until retirement, until totally. they're older. Yep. So, I mean, I think some of the stuff that I did, I mean, Alaska, I was going to Alaska morning, noon, and night, didn't ask you, but did say, if you'd like to come along, it's beautiful. Do you want to come? And just right? through tears, I said, no, I'm good, mommy. Yeah, he came. And so, I was 20 I mean, years old. And then, I mean, literally, like you were invited to come. She right. just said she'll pay for them. Like that daughter, mm-mm-mm. This no, is the answer is no. The daughter wants to play in the extremes. Yeah. The daughter wants her answer, the mom's answer to be black. That's yeah. what she wants. She wants it to be a deep black. Yeah. And they the the answer isn't in the black. The answer is in the gray, right? And here's what we know. It's a year. It's a year. So a year goes so fast. Let's even assume this woman was older when she had her first child. Let's say she was 30 when she had the mm-hmm. 29-year-old. She's 59. This woman has a ton of years left yeah. to be able to do this job. She can come home in a year. All of us know, especially after the last three years, how fast a year can go. Yeah. Take it upon yourself to let your parents buy you a friggin' flight to Hong Kong. And enjoy it. They'll probably buy you too. I mean, seriously, it sounds like, listen. If we- you need your mom that bad at 21, 22, 23, you have your own issues and your mom is never going to solve them for you. I mean, what about being excited for your mom? Right. What about thinking that that is so cool yeah. that she was offered some kind of project in Hong Kong and that, I mean, that she's being a good example, yeah. right? Pe- people don't like willy nilly get moved to the other side of the world because they're not good at their job. Right. Your right. mom is really good at her job. Your mom, while raising kids, managed to be an asset to this business to where she even wasn't able to conclude the business in the two years that was allotted for her. And the company was like, hey, stay for an extra year. We trust yeah. you to, to see this thing through. You are a mess. Your mom's not going to help you be a better version of yourself. She's, you just want her to help enable you more. And here's what I want to say to all the people out there that are criticizing our answer. We don't know if she's depressed. We don't know if she has anxiety. Sounds like it. We don't know if she has problems. Probably does. But the story problem didn't give us that as a factor. So we're assuming she's just spoiled. Spoiled, entitled, and we don't like her. Yeah. No, we're not happy with her at all. Dear Debbie, we moved to the country, but we're not really far out of town. My educated, urbane, professional husband, who has always lived in the city, now bypasses our two and a half bathrooms and relieves himself outdoors in a king-of-all-he-surveys pose. Just because he can. We no longer have children living at home, and he refrains from doing it when we have company or there's any possibility of being seen, but it still drives me crazy. Could I be jealous because I am a female, or should I join him? Is it truly as unsanitary as it seems? And is this common? <laughs> Let me tell you this. Dudes love pissing outside. Dudes love pissing outside. It Listen, is communing with nature. It is how I literally got Kevin out of diapers. Yeah. 100%. He wanted to go outside and pee. And I said, fine. And we had a bush, one bush, go to that bush and do it. And he did it. And it was great. I could have cared less. It made me laugh. And again, I wasn't changing diapers. So I was perfectly fine. And by the way, note, he never wet his pants. Do you mean it just was a thing? He was ready. He wanted to do it outside. I let him. I feel like it's kind of like this guy got out of the city he has however much land, maybe a couple acres or whatever, or maybe more, whatever it is he has, 
He's out there. He's really playing king of the hill. And it's, he's being mindful. And he's being mindful because he doesn't do it all these other times. I think she, well, first of all, should she join him? Ridiculous. I mean, that's just ridiculous. Well, well if you want to join him, join him. Yeah, but Drop trout, walk out Winnie the Pooh style and just start pissing next to your it husband. It is easier for any woman, woman to drop her pants and sit on a toilet. I'm just going to tell you that than to go outside. But if she wants to... Feel free. But if you want to be queen of all you survey, go piss in the yard. As long as he is not pissing on the patio yeah. or pissing in a place where I can smell it yeah. or pissing in a place where it's killing something I love, yeah. I don't care. He worked hard. Yep. He is yep. urbanish enough yep. to understand the freedom that is now allotted yep. to him and he is seizing it. You are watching somebody take advantage of life. He is living his life to the fullest. He has the ability to drop trow and be one with nature. Zero judgment. Zero persecution. There are laws, like in the city of New Orleans, you're going to go to jail if you pee outside. This guy gets to pee outside, judgment-free, stop judging him, let him pee. You know what he's doing with this, too? Here's the truth. He is throwing off all the cares and expectations of the world as he surveys his property and pees in a stream wherever he wants it to go. He is a happy man. Let him be. He is dialing into his ancestors. Yes, he is. The caveman. Yep, yep. He wants to, after peeing, go bludgeon some living thing and put it on a grill. Exactly. And he wants to do it fully nude. Listen, as long as he's still showering once a week, I'm good with this guy. Once a week. That's all it requires. That's all it requires. As long as you have different living spaces, once a week shower, pee outside. If it's only once a week, he's not sleeping in my bed, but then that's okay too. You want to know a really interesting story? I do. I knew a guy who got a little drunk on a golf course. You you don't know him. I okay. I know him through like multiple friends. Okay. He got a little drunk on a golf course mm-hmm. and he decided to relieve himself on one of the um, tee boxes. Yeah. But like off in one of the bushes. Yeah. Didn't realize that the bush bumped right up to a neighbor's home. Oh. They called the cops on him. The cops came and arrested him. Oh no. Charged him as a- Like a predator. Exactly. Oh. That's, that's, he has that now. Oh no. Which is why this guy is smart because he's, Mindful of the neighbors being he would, around. He didn't do this in town. No. This guy was good. Yeah. yeah. No, I think, listen, people have peed in a lot worse places than he's peeing. That's true. Just let it be. Shout out Korea. Deb. Yes. What are you thankful for this week? There's so much to be thankful for, but I've gone every time. Do you want to go? I mean, I've gone recently. Do you want to go first? My thankful is very rooted in vanity. Okay, go. We went to Costco. Yeah. I was dressed not to the nines, but I was just dressed nicely, I believe. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I, though I thought I was literally coming down with a cold in the middle of Costco. You did. You, you started whining in Costco. I looked yep. at you and I said, I want to be literally anywhere other, anywhere yeah. else than here right yeah. now. I feel horrible. And what did I do? I gave you, I gave you medicine once we got home. Well, you said, okay, can you go pick up that chicken over there, please? Stop talking to me. Stop breathing <laughs> in my general area. Stay 10 feet behind me. I might me. have said that too. Yeah. As I'm walking down the supplement aisle, just mm-hmm. trying to find my way to the checkout because I hate being at Costco in general and I hate it even more while I feel sick. Yep. This older woman, dapper woman, taller woman, I would say she's in her mid-60s, looks at me and she says, oh my gosh, you are very good looking. Isn't and I that said, nice? wow, I mean, thank you so much. She, and without skipping a beat, she goes, are you a model? 
I said, no, ma'am, I'm just a guy shopping at Costco, but thank you very, very much. She's like, good for you. And then she just kept walking on. That is, isn't that a nice little? The nicest thing. The nicest thing. Even in my worst moments, somebody was kind to me. Not my mom, a total stranger. So I want to say you were like a little cranky Kevin was coming out at Costco. I was, I was, I wanted to leave. I wanted to go Right, you just wanted to drop it. Yeah. And we do Costco very quickly. I mean, it was, you know, we're good. We don't loiter, Uh, but a little cranky. And then after that happened, you were a lot more happy. I think I got hot. I had that big jacket on Mm. because it was cold outside, but then I wore it in Costco. And you know how sometimes if you just get uncomfortable, it feels like your body is going through something. I think I was just uncomfortable. I needed to ditch that jacket because when I got home, took the jacket off, sat down, you gave me some oregano oil, some emergency, some other stuff. Like an hour later, I felt fine. Yeah. Yeah. Oregano oregano oil oil is the thing. I'm telling you, take it in a tablet. Yeah. Thank you to that nice woman. So here's my grateful this week. This is something that I forget that I love so much. I love mail, real mail. Not mail, like not bills, not that kind of stuff. You've got mail. When somebody took the time to go to a store, to buy a card, that it's not my birthday. It's not expected. It's it's just some random time of the year. Yeah. Or like a cool postcard. A cool postcard is the best. Write some sweet message on it and send it to me. I got mail this week and it made me happy for days. I can't throw them away. I don't want to throw them away. I stick them somewhere so I see them. I'm telling you, the joy that it brings me is huge. So I am very, very grateful to Sweet Liz Marie, who sent me some mail from Florida. And I will live off the glee and the joy of this mail for many, many weeks. We would give you our address but we would have a <laughs> sea of adoring fans outside, yeah. so we can't do that. But if you feel compelled to write Deb literal mail, yeah, do it. DM her. Yeah, maybe ask for the address. See what she says. Here's the thing: I actually think people, I think there are people. Maybe it's my generation that would miss mail. So if you know somebody like me, or maybe you're a young person and you can say, you know what, Deb's right. I love mail too people should start sending mail to one another. I'll tell you what's so weird is, I mean, I was a product of mail, right? Right. I mean, I would write letters home. I would write to my girlfriend when I was in college. Like I wrote handwritten letters. Could care less about that today. If you got, I'm going to sneeze. Hold on. Three, two, one. (coughs) Salud. 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 Nope. I think I'm okay. <laughs> yeah. She's good at three. Okay. Um, I don't know. I'm trying to think. If if you suddenly, from a good friend, I mean, is it weird for guys? Kind of. Okay. So a good friend that's a pal. Aria. Aria is a good friend. If Aria sent you a note. I would think something's wrong. Would you? Totally. Really? I mean, if she said, Kev, Deb, I saw this card. I haven't received mail, yeah. handwritten yeah. mail. In 15 years? Okay, okay, people, now listen. He just he just made the announcement here. See, he hasn't received it in 15 years, so he doesn't I don't even want know. It. He doesn't know if it brings him joy. It's a version of calling me. Everybody, if, you, if you're a friend and you call me, I assume something's wrong. Don't send, write me mail. John Beebe, send him mail. I don't want everybody, mail. Everybody, send him I mail. I do not want mm-hmm. mail, because then yep. there's the belief that I have to then somehow follow up with my own mail, and mm. I will not follow up with my own mail. No, all you have to do... You don't I, I don't follow. want mail. Do not write me mail. Do not... <laughs> 
Do not you're, you're do begging not write for it letters right now. and do you're not email begging me. Begging for it right now. I don't now. like seeing the notifications in my DMs. I do not want real mail. I don't saying. want it. Just saying. I don't want it. <laughs> Send it to Deb. We are on the two ends of the spectrum. It will make her day, her week, her month. It will absolutely destroy me with anxiety because I will have to write back. I'll have to write back Listen, and I don't want to. If I weren't your mom and if we didn't live in the same house, I would grab a card right now, write it, put a stamp on it. Look at your kids. I fully anticipate over the top whenever I lip. move out, I'm going to just get a piece of mail from Deb. Yep, Even if I'm randomly. just down the block. Yep, yep. Don't For send sure. me mail. I yep. don't want mail. If his life is going too good and you think he needs a little anxiety, send him mail. Do not send me mail. <laughs> Send my life mail. is good. People, I beg you, people send assume him mail. I'm a model at Costco. <laughs> I'm fine. Do not send me mail. Send him mail. He felt kind of sick. Send him mail. I get well card. You know what you can send, Deb? <laughs> a recipe for food. Deb, what's for Please. dinner tonight? Okay, I'm making this. Um, it's a rice dish with tons and tons of vegetables. Love it. It's got. It's a Korean sauce. Lots of sesame oil in it. Okay. Super good. I'm going to add some sriracha because like, like everything, a little, a little spicy. Heat. But then I am making a, um, hopefully it turns out crispy, a sriracha um, marinated tofu. Oh, love that. And then put it in the air fryer. By the way, are we continuing this pescatarian diet? I'm kind of over it. No, I'm done. Yeah. No, no, we're done. We're done. This is it. We can eat whatever we want. We are not. It didn't, we, I'm a mediator. Yeah. I, I mean, unless. Uh, you know what I also find? What? I eat a full dish that's seafood and yeah. I'm still starving afterwards. Here's the thing. And I don't know if this is a real thing. So we, there are vegan people we know and love. And I always feel bad. I think of them when I say this, I, I think if somebody like really cooked like a myriad of fabulous vegetables for me, I think it would be different. I think like, I know what to do with vegetables that I'm not going to say it's ordinary. Cause I think we've had some really good meals, yeah. but it's just not Filling enough. I, I, which people would look at me and go, it was enough, Deb. You just didn't know. I disagree. Yeah. I, I only realized this last week, dude, every time you eat a dinner, you are going back for something else. And then you're like, well, I don't want to create a whole nother thing. And I don't want to eat more of what I just ate. So then I eat like pretzels or then I eat well, chips. You're eating like, which I've never seen you. You said the other day, we've got to stop this. Yes. You're eating pre dinners now. Yeah. And post dinners. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Because I'm trying to make up for the yeah. lack of sustenance. Yeah. But I will tell you this. You bought those kettle chips with the truffle oil and oh, salt. Oh, my God. Okay. So if you would have seen Crack me, cocaine. If you would have seen me at the store, I saw those and I went, because you know how truffle can be weird. Yeah. I mean, I love good truffles, right? right? And truffle is a mushroom. So real truffle has a little bit of funk to it. Oh, there's it. funk on it for sure. Okay. And it was like- those could be really bad. Yeah. They're either going to be really good or really bad. There's not going to be middle ground. Artificial truffles bad, like bad, bad. These are so good. It's incredible. They are, is it, is it the kettle chip brand? Uh-huh. Is that what it is? Yeah. And it's just truffle and sea salt. It's, they are amazing. It is yeah. bad, bad. Like, it, yeah. Bad, bad, bad. bad. Like, bad. do not start eating them. So I've only had three chips, literally. Yeah. Are I, they gone? I've had more. Okay. I think the bag is still up there. I've left enough crumbs for you to be able to enjoy it, but you should thank me because you will be hooked the way that I am hooked. So if here's a little known thing, because I think daddy is not currently listening to the podcast. No, he's not. Okay. So if Kevin finds food that he truly loves, yeah. like just he hides it from my husband. I have to, because here's the thing. 
dad will just blindly eat and he doesn't really yeah. care if he likes it. Yeah. He just knows he needs yeah. to. Yeah. And if it's chips, yeah. he'll destroy the whole bag and then he'll taunt he'll you leave by leaving little, five of them in he'll there. He'll leave little tiny crumbs yeah. and then he'll put the clip back yeah. on it and put it away. Yeah. And you go thinking, oh, there's at least a oh, couple great. of chips yeah. in there, right? No, no, there's gone. So I had to hide them. Okay. All right. Does that make me a bad person? Mm. Maybe. Mm. But also I'm an addict. Yeah, so you're an addict. Addicts yeah. hide things. For sure. Don't get them. Listen to me. You're going to love them. Do they not get them. They are so good. It's incredible. Incredible. They're in a purple bag. Now that we've talked about crack cocaine, yeah. I think that's the end of this podcast. Yay. Remember to like, rate, and review wherever you listen to this podcast. And you can follow us on all of our social channels at Deb and Kev Pod. And if you want to support Play to Aid Hearing the Call, we will throw links in all of our posts. We'll throw them on Instagram. We'll throw them on Facebook. We'll throw them on Twitter. Click the links, pledge, support, do whatever you want to do. Send good vibes because it's a very, very cool partnership that we put together and it is purposeful and it is meaningful and it is tangible where this money will go to help people who are super duper unfortunate be able to hear and interact with the world around them again. I love that, Kev. And mom, I love you to death. You're the best. We'll see you guys on Thursday. Thank you for listening to the Deb and Kev podcast. Remember to like and subscribe wherever you listen to this podcast. Follow Deb and Kev on Facebook and on Instagram and Twitter at Deb and Kev Pod.